0: Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. I mean, let's just be honest. Here's the problem with waiting. We don't like to do it. (laughs) It delays our plans and sometimes, listen to this now, and sometimes it creates moments of uncertainty if our focus is not on Jesus. It creates moments of uncertainty if our focus is not on the right thing. The reason we don't like waiting, we don't like to do it. And so here I am as a kid, and here so many of us are, right? We go out and we look for that perfect gift for somebody and we wrap it up and we put it under the tree and we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait and we get there on Christmas morning and we open up that gift and it's usually an inanimate object, right? It's usually a thing and maybe for a couple moments, maybe for a couple hours, maybe even for a couple days, it, 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 is, it is fun and it is satisfying but that begins to wane and yet we wait and we wait for these things to fulfill us only to realize they never do, Right? I mean, and here's the thing as a young parent, any young parents in here, you got kids ages like, like, eight, like 10 and under, or you got one on the way, can I just give you a little wisdom right now? Because here's the thing I learned, right? When I have little kids, is you go and you spend so much time shopping for the perfect toy. You saw them eyeing it in the store. You're secretly taking notes and they don't know it, Right? And you go and you get that thing and you wrap it up and you're so excited to give it to them on Christmas morning. They get up and they tear it open and they open up the box. They take the toy out. They set it aside and they play with the box. Right? And you're just kind of like, well, what, no, what, what, what about this? This is the gift, and they are just so wrapped up in the box, right? And you try to shove the toy over to them. They shove it away. Now they're crawling inside the box. They're collecting everybody else's boxes. They're building forts with the boxes. And like seven weeks go by, and they're still playing with the box, and the toy is on the side broken. Come on, somebody. All you young parents, let me do you a favor right now. Go to Home Depot and buy yourself some moving boxes. Wrap them up. Give them to your kid, and they will love it. And bring all the leftover money to legacy sunday next week come on somebody (laughs) we wait and we wait and we wait only to realize that what we were waiting for especially in our culture today that promotes materialism as the thing to give only to get to that moment and not be fulfilled and not be satisfied because ladies and gentlemen there is not an object in the world that will satisfy you there is only one that will satisfy you and his name is jesus And so as a community, we need to bring the focus back to Jesus. It is about him. It's always been about him, and it needs to stay about him. But here's the reality. It's not just at Christmas time, and it's not even just about gifts. So many of us live our lives that way. We wait and we anticipate, man, one day when I get that job, I'm going to be fulfilled. One day, man, when I get promoted within that job, I'll be fulfilled. One day when I leave this job and go to a different job. Man, man, one day when I am married, I will be fulfilled. Now, one day when I get that bigger house, that nicer house, I mean, this is just a stepping stone house. One day when I get to that house, man, I'm going to be fulfilled. And you get into that house and you regret it because you realize how much room it is to clean. Come on, somebody. And so then you downsize. To only miss the space you had to upsize. To hate the cleaning to downsize. Is somebody with me this morning? And we live our lives this way. We don't find fulfillment. Because there's only one that fulfills. Here in Luke chapter 2, we see two individuals that are overwhelmed and overcome with joy. So much so that the mother of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, are amazed by what's taking place not only by the joy and the excitement of Anna and Simeon, but by what is being told about their son. But the reason that Simeon and Anna are so overcome with joy is because they kept Christ at the center of their life. They kept Christ at the very focal point. Here is Anna and the Bible says she's no longer married. What am I gonna do with my time? It was customary as a widow, if you don't get remarried and get get taken by a relative, that you're gonna give yourself in serving at the temple. So what does she do? She gives herself in serving at the temple. And there she is, the Bible says she's there night and day. And here she is and she gets a prophetic word and she speaks it over Jesus. And then here's this guy, Simeon. Now, we don't really know who Simeon is. Some people believe maybe he was one of the temple priests and he just happened to be his day and the Holy Spirit came upon him and brought him. We don't know that for sure. All we know is there is a guy that is old in age and he is living righteously, he is living devoutly, he is living with Christ at the center. And the Bible says in that moment, as Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to the temple to do what they're supposed to do under the law, the Holy Spirit comes upon this old dude, come on somebody, and leads him to the temple as well. Now according to, according to Scripture, that must have been okay to do. I'm telling you right now, if some guy walks in for the very first time and picks up one of your children, our security people are on it. Right? Little freaky, who's the dude? Don't know, he's picking up a child. He's joyful about it. He's prophesying over him, Right? But here is Simeon and he gets this word. He's waiting and waiting, and because Christ was at the center, the minute Christ comes into the temple, he knows who it is. Here's, here's one of my concerns as a pastor in this day and age, is that we may not have Christ at the center, and so when he shows up, we don't even recognize him. Here's one of my concerns about what the culture celebrates as Christmas. Because the reality is this, ladies and gentlemen, if we just took somebody that had never experienced Christmas before and we dropped them into our culture today and they walked around the stores and they watched television for about three hours, they would never know that Christmas was about the person of Jesus. So we must, we have to, as a biblical community, make sure that we keep Christ at the center of Christmas. It's about him. Are you with me this morning? It is about him, it's got to be about him. And so I wanna challenge us over these next several weeks, what can we do? What can you do in your family? What can you do in your home? What can you do with your children talking about it? What can we do together to make sure that Jesus Christ stays at the center? Are you with me this morning? I love this story, it's such a great story. Because here are, 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 are Mary and Joseph, and there's three specific uh, ceremonies mentioned here that they actually celebrate. The first one that they celebrate is that on the, on the eighth day, the, the child is circumcised and receives the name Jesus according to what the angel said. That's celebration number one. And now they wait 40 days, right? And they, they, they come now for the, for the reason they wait 40 days is because that was the time of purification, which was another celebration. These 40 days of purification under the Jewish uh, Jewish custom. And now at the end of that, the Bible says, at the end of this time of cleansing, they arrive on the scene to do the third celebration, which is the presentation of the firstborn son. So these three, what are they doing? They are walking according to the law. Jesus was born in a very Jewish culture, in a very Jewish family. And so here they are. Now catch this. This is a young family. This is their first child, right? Like Like, look at this. This is amazing. Look what's happening. So this is a young family. This young family bringing in Jesus, carrying in grace personified. Are you with me? And they're walking into the temple, but it wasn't until they get to the temple and they encounter two elderly people, one named Simeon and one named Anna, that they fully begin to comprehend what it is that's taking place. Here they are, baby boy, bringing them just doing what they're supposed to do not even fully understanding they are carrying grace and grace walks into the temple and all of a sudden grace now encounters these two prophets Simeon and Anna they encounter they encounter these two people that know the word and it wasn't until the older generation begins to give revelation to the younger generation that they begin to understand what they're actually carrying We know this because Mary and Joseph are absolutely amazed by what's taking place. How they're amazed, I don't know, because they've been visited by an angel. We'll we'll get to that part of the story. We'll rewind over the next couple weeks. But Mary has been visited by an angel in her house, right? Angel shows up. This is what's going to happen. Okay, but listen to what it says. The Bible says that Mary puts these things in her heart and ponders them. In other words, she doesn't quite understand what's taking place. Joseph gets visited in a dream, still doesn't fully comprehend, and now some 40 days after the birth of Jesus, they still don't know who they have. Not until the word connects with grace. And when the New Testament, the new movement, the new era walks in, connects with the old movement, the Old Testament and the old era, the word, now the word and grace connect and something powerful begins. You can't miss this. Cuz if we miss this, we miss so much of the text. Cuz we are in a millennial generation. And millennials, man, they are they are fantastic. But millennials within the church, if we're not careful, millennials in the church, man, they are all about love and they are all about grace. And it sounds so great, doesn't it? Well guess, what else do we wanna be about? We wanna be about love and grace and acceptance, right? But here's what happens if we're not careful. All of a sudden love and grace and acceptance becomes just that, it becomes about me accepting. It's okay, you believe that. It's okay. You have, that's all right. But if we don't have, listen to me now, if we don't have the platform of the word of God, grace and love is misunderstood. Listen to me. If you don't have the, the context of scripture about the wrath of God, you cannot understand the love of God. A verse like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Oh, that's so great. Why did he give him? And how was that love? Listen, see, you don't, if you don't have some Old Testament, if you don't have some, some older, wiser people that have lived some life and got some context and have, have learned some stuff and have gone somewhere, can I just talk to some of the older generation right now? If you are here and you are of the ages of 50 or plus, let me just talk to you. And some of you are closet 50-year-old. I know you're dying your hair. Come on, somebody. And it's okay. You keep going with it, all right? But let me talk to you for a moment. We need you. This church needs you. The church needs you. Our culture needs you. You are valuable, and we need your voice, and we need your wisdom. We need your experiences. We need what you've been through, what you've walked through. We need you. If we don't have you, we are going to go down a slippery slope of grace that leads us somewhere we don't want to be. We need you. We need the wisdom. We need the insight. We need the input. We need you. Listen to me, millennials. We need them. We absolutely need them. We need what they have to bring. When all of a sudden now the older generation generation connects with the younger generation, man, there is a powerful movement that is birthed. This church needs you. We need this connection. We need this connection. You cannot understand grace. You cannot understand the love of God without understanding the wrath of God. We need that. And here we have these two elderly people Living devoutly. See, man, man, something the older generation can teach us is teach us what it is to live righteous and what it is to live consecrated unto the Lord. You say, well, they didn't have all the distractions we had exactly. That's, what they, that's why they know what it is, to give themselves to this. That's why we need, man, when something powerful. Are you getting this this morning? Christmas isn't just like, oh, let's give and let's set up trees and let's have lights. Oh, isn't that pretty? Let's go to christmas card lane and candy card lane and whatever it is about a movement and yes it's about a movement of grace but about a movement of grace that is contextualized with scripture and the bible and they collide and man this generation says let let me tell you mary let me tell you mary what's really going on let me explain this to you this is what's going to happen why church is so valuable they begin to explain it they're blown away and they're amazed but you see it's not just about two generations coming together it's not just about Anna and Simeon representing the Old Testament it's not just about Jesus symbolizing the New Testament and the collision of that together brings so much depth for us it's not just about that look at what happens now Luke does this time and time again in his gospel he brings together male and female Isn't that what Galatians says Galatians chapter 3 in Jesus We're all one, there's no male, there's no female, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no slave, there's no free. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Luke does this in chapter one as well when he begins to bring an account once again as witnesses to Theophilus. He brings in a guy named Zachariah and he brings in uh, Elizabeth. He brings in the male, he brings in the female. Right here once again he does it and he brings in Simeon and right after Simeon who does he introduce? He introduces Anna. Now look at what Anna does because this will crush some of your guys' theology. Anna goes out and becomes literally like one of the first preachers of righteousness in that movement a woman pause for effect visual mic drop she goes out and she literally begins to tell everybody this is the one This is the one I don't see anybody going up and say, "No, no, no, you're a woman." That should be Simeon. No, Simeon wants to die. Know <laughs> what the Bible says? He's like, "I'm good." You go, Anna, shine. Right? He goes out. She preaches. So here we see this coming together. this new movement is birthed and yet our culture does such a good job of distracting us from what this season is really all about and so if I could learn anything from these two from this simeon and the lights go dark and they go bright on cue try it again if I could learn anything If I could learn anything from Simeon and, and Anna, it's this, that we need to refocus our attention for Christmas. Because Christmas number one is about Jesus. Well, of course it is. No, no, it's about Jesus. It's not about anything else or any, anyone else. It's not, I saw a commercial last night and the commercial started out this way. You know, Christmas is all about family. And I'm like, no it's not. Wrong! And it was a car commercial and how you get what you really want, give them a car. It's like, who are you? No one's ever given me a car for Christmas, ever. I was looking at my wife because you're wondering, hint, hint. It's about family. No, it's not about family. Christmas is about Jesus. I mean, it's about Him. I mean, if you're gonna go, tell, go around telling people it's about family, what do you do with all the people who don't have family? Christmas is about Jesus, that solves everything. It's about Jesus, isn't it? Christmas isn't even about giving, it's not about giving. It's not about our giving. It's not about us giving what was a time of charity and us giving to others, no it's not. Christmas is about him coming and giving himself. That's the only giving, really. It's us, we don't have to give a thing. We just sit there and reflect on the fact that, wow, God, you're amazing. You would send your son and Jesus came and, and then he lived amongst us. Why would he do that? He gave himself. That's amazing. It's, yeah, it's about him giving himself to us. It's about Jesus. It's only about Jesus. It's only ever about Jesus. We as a church need to make sure it stays about Jesus. Because if we don't, listen, if we don't keep it about Jesus, how much time we got left? How many guys give me 10 more minutes? Anybody give me 10 more 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. Good, let's go. Here's the thing, if we don't keep Jesus at the center, it doesn't take that many generations before all of a sudden, Jesus who? Jesus who? I was watching a, a commercial the other night, came on, and Apple's so brilliant with many of their, their commercials, and uh, the commercial was, it had this like, 14-year-old girl, 15-year-old girl, and she was on a bike, and she had an iPad Pro, I think it was, They show her in a coffee shop and she's doing a bunch of stuff and then she like flips it shut and say thank you, jumps on her bike, rides somewhere else, has it open. She's taking videos and pictures and all this stuff. Like three different scenes and then you see her in her yard and she's laying on the grass and she's doing something on the iPad Pro and the neighbor peeks over and goes, hey, what are you doing on your computer? And The girl looks over and goes, what's a computer? That, that, That could be the church. Listen, it's already culture. But if we're not careful... In the church, Christmas is about giving. No, it's not. Christmas is about making sure everyone's needs are met. No. Christmas is about family. No. No, Christmas is about Jesus. It's about Him and Him alone. Hmm. Let's not rob Him of that. It is about Jesus. So here's my challenge to you, church, is what can you do? What can we do? To make sure that christ stays at the center of christmas not just christmas what can we do that to make sure that like simeon and anna christ stays at the center of our life and maybe it just starts over these next four weeks and we just begin to bring in some new practices into our life as a family as a church right and we just we just begin to make sure that you know what jesus stay the, stay the focal point of canvas church but not just canvas church would you just stay the focal point of my life how can we do that? How can we teach that to our kids? What are some things? You, we? we do every Christmas, one of the things we do, and obviously it seems to ramp up around that time, but we try to continue that as we do devotions with the family. But one of the things we do at Christmas time is we always do the Christmas story no matter how long it takes before we open up one gift. Sometimes we'll even act it out, right? When the kids were younger, it was fun because I could, like, pick them up and they'd be like the angel. <laughs> it's hard to do now. I'm like, Ugh. I either need to go to the gym but we'll just keep, man. We'll just we'll just focus on Jesus, and make it about Jesus. I remember there was one year, shortly after we got married or we were dating. I can't remember which one it was. And um, for some something happened in our family, and for whatever reason, we we didn't read the story before. My wife didn't grow up in a Christian household at the time; they they weren't Christians, and and so she had never experienced what it was like. And so she had experienced several of those at my house. And so one of her favorite things I found this out later. One of her favorite things at Christmas at my house, she goes, I and she told me later. Because we didn't do it that year. We didn't read the story. And I remember looking at her. She looked down. And I was like, what's up? She actually just teared up. And she said, one of my favorite things about Christmas at your house is that we always read the story first. And we didn't do it this year. And I don't remember why we didn't. But ever since then, it doesn't matter. Like, we make sure. But what are some things you can do? Not just at Christmas, but what are things you can do to keep Christ at the center? But maybe it starts now. Maybe, maybe, maybe you do what Anna did, right? And you go out and you just start inviting people and telling people hey it's about jesus when someone says hey happy holidays you're like no they're like what you're like merry christmas and you can even pause merry christ iced mus right just throw it in there people saying merry xmas you're like what no now what like you just go out and just invite people and tell we have our christmas play next week come on what a great opportunity, because here's the thing, you don't even have to mention church. You just say, hey, I'm, I'm, there's a Christmas program I'm going to. Oh, where's it at, Edwards Theater? Right, that's covert Navy SEAL style right there, right? You don't have to say nothing about your church or nothing. You just say, hey, come with me. There's this really cool Christmas program. It's happening at a theater. Oh, I'm there, right? Just invite people. Maybe it's, maybe it's making sure that we don't indulge on. Maybe rather than spending all that money, and please don't rack up any credit card debt. Maybe, maybe rather than doing that, it's about, you know, we're, we're not going to do that this year. Something we started probably five years ago now, uh, we, don't, we don't get each other gifts or we set a limit of $15 or $10 or something like that. And we just, we said, no, we're not going to do that. What can you do to make sure you keep Christ at the center? I think there might even be a place to write that down in your notes. I want to prepare my heart. And I want to help prepare our hearts to make sure it's all about Jesus. Christmas, lastly, number two, is is about hope, brings hope. Christmas brings hope. And when we see it right here. Why are Simeon and Anna so excited? They're excited because salvation has come. The one we've been anticipating or longing or hoping for has arrived. Now hope has shown up on the scene. And I love the way it does. I love the way scripture paints the whole entire picture because Matthew would tell us that, that Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. What we could not do in our own strength, what we could not do in our own ability, we can't fulfill the law. We can't overcome sin. We can't write. No, Jesus does it from the very beginning because he follows in custom these three laws. He gets circumcised and named. They follow the 40 days of purification ceremony, and then he arrives on the scene in the temple for the dedication of the firstborn, another ceremony. He abides by all three of these ceremonies, even as a toddler a baby, thus fulfilling the law, thus giving them hope from the very inception of his life here on earth. He came to fulfill, not abolish, and it brings hope. Listen to Romans 8, 3. What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son, Jesus. Are you with me? In flesh like ours, under sin's domain, and as a sin offering. Come on. So good. Are you with me this morning? Hope shows up. Why is Christmas bring hope? Because Jesus is hope. Jesus just doesn't bring hope. If Christ is at the center, you have hope. If Christ is at the center, you have hope. Listen to Hebrews 6, 19 through 20. We have this hope. As an anchor of our lives, safe and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Listen to verse 20 because this is the clincher. Jesus has entered there. On our behalf as a forerunner he is the anchor of our hope Jesus doesn't just bring hope he is hope listen to me what can we do to bring Christ back at the center but not only keeping Christ at the center what what is in your life right now that you've lost hope what areas of your life have you thrown in the towel and said that will never happen this will never happen this will never come about I'll never see this, I'll never see that, you've lost hope. What of this Christmas? We got Christ back at the center, and because Christ is back at the center, hope begins to spring up in our life once again, and we bring that thing to him and say, God, I'll be honest with you, I lost hope, but this Christmas, I'm putting my hope back in you. I'm putting my trust back in you. Is there someone out there, some single people, is there someone out there for me? Put your hope in God. You might be in a place of, of, of financial struggle and you think, man, this is never gonna happen. Put your hope in God. You might be in a place of, of relational strain with a loved one. Put your hope in God. Maybe you got a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Put your hope in God. Let Christmas be what it is. It brings hope. It brings hope. It brings hope. You don't have to hide anymore, you don't have to hide behind success. You don't have to hide behind addictions. You don't have to hide behind behind uh, approval. You don't have to hide behind it. You can literally begin to say, this Christmas I'm done hiding. I'm done running. I'm not going to allow myself to do that anymore. God, here I am. These are the areas I'm broken. These are the areas I'm frail. These are the areas I don't feel adequate. These are the areas that are hurting. And I, I threw in the towel, but I'm coming to you. Let Christmas be what it was to send and in an animal. Let it be Christ-centered let it be full of hope. What area do you need hope? There's probably even a place in the app you can just write that down so here's the area I'm struggling. But over the next four weeks as I prepare my heart, I'm gonna believe God's gonna touch me in that place. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.